We are studying the book of problems. All problems uh, concern our <clears throat> relationship. You know, something, our relationship with our own self or with people around us or with the things of the world. When it doesn't go well, then there are problems. And wisdom literature is all about that. And it is said that our greatest problem is our relationship with God. That's the reason Jesus has to come and die in our place. And if he can focus on this relationship with God, and if that is fine, to a great extent, all other relationships with people around us, or in the workplace, everywhere, it'll all fall in its place. But the primary relationship is our relationship with God. And wisdom is basically the characteristics of a person uh, who is rightly uh, related to God. That is wisdom. That's what we find about you know, wicked, wise man. Uh, basically, it's the, if his relationship with God is fine, uh, he's a wise person. And the way of uh, thinking about all this is changed through the gospel. What do I mean by that? Uh, I, I, I want to keep emphasizing that the true wisdom is in Christ. He is far higher than King Solomon. And uh, all that we are studying, it should draw us closer to Christ. Or in other words, when we struggle, uh, we, Jesus Christ should be our reference point. Uh, by looking at Jesus, the life of Jesus is amazing. Uh, how he has lived in this sinful world, uh, that is something amazing. So we are basically studying about knowing the heart. Uh, we studied about understanding the heart. And we said the heart shapes the actions, actions shapes the heart, all that we have studied. In other words, generally we have said that heart is the control center. So since heart is the control center, we need to focus on the heart. And if the heart is fine, everything else is fine. So once we have finished that, we started looking at reordering desires because the heart is trapped by desires. Uh, so it is very important for us to reorder our desires because there is, you know, it is like a, um, you take a thread and it is knotted all around. So you start removing one by one. It is something like that. And we saw that trapped by desire, ordering desire, the sociology of desire. And then we talked about approval. And we said approval is one of the idols. Uh, I'll explain later today uh, if there are struggles. Uh, we saw that if you look to human beings more than to God for our worth and value, we will be trapped by Anxiety. In fact, even children have anxiety, and it has been well documented. Uh, children online, 
they have developed a sickness called as uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Uh, because when they post something, they immediately they keep clicking and looking for how many people have given thumbs up. And uh, if that likes are less and dislikes are more, unknowingly they develop anxiety. Uh, all these things come to our notice when we find things become beyond our control or not manageable, but these are all real issues. Uh, they, we, if you're looking for approval, we will always, we want to please people around us. And it is very difficult to please people or it is difficult for others to please us all the time. Uh, and in, in some cases, it is so bad, they are unable to get out of exploitative relationships because they need approval. Um, if approval is too important for us, we will not be able to take criticism. Uh, one of the best way to measure our maturity in walk with Christ is, how we handle criticism. Uh, so when we are looking for approval, it will be difficult for us. Uh, we will not be able to confront others because we need approval. We'll not be able to stand for our conviction because all the time we are looking for approval and that's going to be a challenge. This is what we saw last uh, Wednesday. The fifth thing is comfort because we have already said approval, Comfort, power, and control are four typical God substitutes. Uh, so a second form of inordinate desire. Our hearts are trapped by desire. It is, is an inordinate love of physical pleasure and comfort. Uh, Proverbs 20.13 says, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to share. Uh, the message version puts it like this. Don't be too fond of sleep. You will end up in the poor house, wake up and get up. Then there will be food on the table. Now, it is not that we should not sleep. Uh, it says do not love sleep. Don't be too fond of sleep. It is not against our sleep at all. Now, why should we not love sleep? Why should we not love sleep? Anyone wants to answer, why should we not love sleep? Love sleep, it is not that you know, uh, everyone is required to sleep for eight hours. Uh, so it is not that eight hours of sleep. It is something more than that. Don't be too fond of sleep. Why should we not uh, love sleep? Um, we dislike work faster after that. Uh, yes, one is we dislike work. Uh, anything else? If if we if we sleep, what's going to happen? Uh, what happens is 
what we are required to do, we will not be, will not be able to do it. There is a time for everything. Now, you know, uh, let me put it this way. Maybe it will be easier for us to understand. Now, you go to the doctor, anytime you say, especially you go to an ortho or somewhere, you will say that uh, you don't have vitamin D3. And vitamin D3 is something you get in the morning sun, you know, the sunlight, that if you are out, uh, especially from, uh, say, 7 to 8.30, the doctors themselves will say, uh, at least try to go out. Uh, not now. Now we have COVID-19, so uh, they're very scared to say that. But they say 7 to 8.30, just take a walk run, do something. So you will get vitamin D3. Now, if that is the time we sleep, uh, it is not only about vitamin D3. There are many things. Uh, what we are supposed to do, uh, we, will be, we will miss out on that. That's the reason they say we should be uh, disciplined uh, so that we don't miss out on the essential things. Uh, ultimately, sleep entails the omission of the good things. We cannot say that I'm sleeping also, I'm doing good things also. Uh, it's not possible. Either you sleep or you get up and do some good things. So that balance is not possible. And that's why the Bible says, do not love sleep or you will grow poor, stay awake and you will have food to share. Now, it depends on what kind of good deeds we have cultivated in our life. It is very important. Wisdom is, as I said, it is not just cerebral. It is practical. What kind of work, uh, what kind of good deeds we have cultivated? This wisdom is applicable for everyone, uh, whether he's a pastor, he's a professional, or whether he's a teacher, homemaker, or an, a farmer. This biblical wisdom is applicable to everyone, and it is important. All of us have developed some kind of good deeds. We have cultivated over the period of time, like sleeping on time, eating on time, doing our morning devotionals, doing exercise, reading, proper use of time, proper use of money. All this we should have cultivated, because if we don't have good deeds, we will not even know what we are missing out. It is only because if we have cultivated good things, we feel uh, probably I slept extra, probably I could have done this. Uh, it's something like that. Now, sluggards, the Bible says, the lazy people are motivated to untimely sleep because they seek to avoid hard work. Uh, if they have a challenging work, the way they avoid is to go to sleep so that they don't have to face it. It is, it's, it's a kind of, it shows the person's lack of confidence and he wants to avoid it. So comfort, um, comfort, in fact, cripples his life. Proverbs 21, 17 says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Now, when we read all these proverbs, we should not go to the extreme. Bible is not against pleasure. Bible is not against 
you know, a little bit of comfort in life, not at all. Uh, but if it becomes ultimate things, then Bible is against that. That's, that's, uh, that's what we read here. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor and whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Uh, you know, it is, if I don't have this, then I, I don't, I, there's something missing in my life. Uh, so we should be careful uh, if we come to that kind of, an, that, that stage. The Bible isn't against pleasure per se. Uh, it's God who has given the, you know, the ability to enjoy pleasure. But if it exceeds anything uh, that exceeds, uh, that becomes a sin. Uh, it is, you know, whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Um, you know, we have already seen this psalm, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustain their hearts. Now, reading all this, we should not justify, so we should drink wine uh, because it gladdens human hearts. It was written in that context. Uh, what I'm trying to say is pleasure per se, God is not against pleasure per se. The way God has created this world itself, uh, it is for us to enjoy his creation. But if that becomes the ultimate, uh, that is the challenge. What the wise man says is the overlove of comfort and the overlove of discomfort are both equally wrong. The overlove of comfort and overlove of discomfort are both equally wrong. Now, ask, uh, you know, I'm sure we all would have observed there are people who cannot withstand little amount of discomfort. Uh, if there is little bit of discomfort, then they will start complaining. They'll start saying, oh, see what has happened. See, I don't have this. You see, that's known as uh, overlove of comfort. And there are people because they want to be so spiritual, uh, they, they will just deprive themselves of some genuine uh, required pleasure. Uh, they like that overlove of discomfort. It is like people who, you know, who go to the temples walking, rolling on the road and all that. Uh, it is, it's that kind of discomfort. There are people in, even in Christianity uh, they look at others and say, see this person, how can he be a Christian? So for them, it is only that discomfort, the extent to which others exhibit the discomfort, it shows their spirituality. The Bible doesn't approve that kind of spirituality. Both the extremes are wrong. Bible always recommends a balanced state, a middle path. Uh, so we have to be careful. Uh, the Proverbs talks about sleeping when you should work. That's Proverbs 20, 13. And working when you should be resting or both wrong. 
Proverbs 127.2 says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Um, the entire focus of the word of God is that we become lovers of God. Uh, that is important. That is the focus of the entire word of God, that we should derive all our pleasure from God. Uh, if we become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, it leads to disaster. Uh, you know, or if, you, if you think of addictions, uh, it all happens here. If you, take it, if you think about drunkenness, gambling, uh, adultery, all that comes here. If you become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, uh, lovers of money rather than lovers of God, it leads to disaster. And Bible wants us to, um, Bible is warning us. Wisdom is becoming lovers of God. He is so great. He is the king of kings. You know, he is beyond our imagination, our comprehension. He is there from eternity past. He is there. He is not a created being. He is a creator God. We are created beings. You know, every breath in us is by his grace. And God wants us to enjoy him. Um, the more we learn to enjoy this God, uh, the more we'll have wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. He personifies wisdom. Jesus personifies wisdom. The more we understand this Lord Jesus, uh, you know, th that puts us, that sets us on the right uh, path. Um, now, when people are so addicted to their comfort, uh, they will avoid people because they don't want to be disturbed. Uh, so sometimes people love to lead a lonely life because they love that comfort. And when it becomes, when it goes to an extreme side, uh, it results in sickness. Uh, it results in disorder. So one has to be uh, very careful. Uh, sometimes this kind of comfort loving also leads to addictions. It could be any kind of addictions, addiction to internet, addiction to liquor, addiction to games. So all this, the root cause will be that comfort. Uh, they don't want to be disturbed. They don't want to face any kind of physical discomfort. They have to be served wherever they are sitting. Food. They have to be served food. Everything should come to, the, come to their uh, table. Uh, so it's always good to put this body to some kind of discomfort. This body by nature loves comfort. By nature. Uh, and, and I always keep telling that I don't know for how many years I, I get up in the morning, I go for a uh, jog, uh, but every day it's a challenge because body loves comfort. Uh, it's a challenge. So despite, 
all the discipline, it is still a challenge because the basic nature of flesh is to desire pleasure. That's why Paul says, I put to death the desires of the flesh. Um, I think the, the more we love God, um, we will be able to take care of all this. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is only when we become aware of all this, we get closer to God, we will be able to enjoy God. So the question is, what pleasures are too important for to you? Uh, you need to ask, what do you think if it's taken away from you, you feel that you have lost something significant? Uh, what makes you angry? If, if you are to be, do something at a time which you're not used to it, does it make you angry? So these are the questions we need to ask. We should always remember our Lord Jesus, we have been asked to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. And he left the unimaginable comforts of heaven. He had everything he wanted in heaven. There was glory, there was light, there was beauty, there was worship. But he left everything for a life of hardship. You know, our lives are 100 times better than life of, you know, if you compare uh, the economic conditions of Jesus, the way he lived, the house he has chosen, the family he has chosen. He worked as a carpenter. Uh, so we, we should remember this. This is gospel. Gospel is, you know, looking at the life of Jesus. You know, how he lived. Uh, and if we follow him today, someday we will also live like our Lord Jesus when he was in heaven. Uh, that's our ultimate hope, that one day we will live with Jesus you know, there'll be joy, there'll be no pain, no sickness, no depression, no disappointment. You know, it'll be so peaceful. It's all about worshiping him, knowing him, doing things. There'll be no envy, there'll be no anger, jealousy. Uh, you know, that's what we should keep remembering. And we should ask God, uh, Lord, I know one day, the place that you have kept for me, it is beyond my imagination. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It is such a glorious place. Lord, you have prepared something extraordinary for me. Today, Lord, let me pursue you. Let me seek you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is basically the king. Let me seek you with all that I have. And when we do like that, when we pray, uh, God will help us to overcome this uh, comfort. We are, we are trapped by comfort. Uh, let's be very clear. There are some people, they are so lazy. They may give you, uh, they can give any reason saying that I'm weak, my leg is paining, my head is aching. Yeah, there are genuine uh, cases when it aches bodies are all weak and fragile. But because they want to avoid physical discomfort, they come with reasons like that. Uh, 
every time there'll be an excuse. Uh, I come from a force. I know there are some people. You just cannot uh, rely on them. You cannot give them a task because they'll come with some excuse. But there are people, despite all the weakness, pain, and all, they'll get the work done. Basically, it's because they don't want their body to undergo a little bit of discomfort. And as children of God, it is good for us to put this body through some kind of discomfort. It's not that we love this um, discomfort in our normal activity, walking, just carrying a bag, just going out, just helping others. This little, little activity, it will do a lot of good to our well-being. Uh, that is about comfort. Uh, see, last week when I was talking about approval, uh, some of you had genuine questions as to how a mother's love begins to be a demon the moment it begins to be a God. Uh, you were, some of you were struggling. Uh, it'll take a lot of time uh, for me to explain what I meant by that. Uh, God's love is a gift love. I know God is love. And the more we understand is the nature of love, it is amazing. Uh, but I'm not going to explain that part of uh, your, your question because we are studying about, we said approval, comfort, power and control are four typical God substitutes. Now, what I will try to do is, I'll try to see how I can explain the next one, power. Okay, now I'll try to uh, explain as much as possible. And then you will be able to understand how this becomes an idol in our life. Because the general understanding we have idols, we should have a statue, we should have some engraved picture. That's the, that's the kind of uh, idea we have. But uh, Jesus said, uh, money has the power to displace God from your lives. Jesus himself said, uh, we have to understand the teaching. Uh, in, in Colossians, uh, Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He specifically says greed, which is idolatry. So it is there in the New Testament. Uh, uh, the Greek word is epithumia, any excessive desire, you know, that becomes an idol. Uh, that's why our desire should be for God and that will keep us in balance. But let me explain this power. Now, some of you are aware about uh, the current regime, the what's happening in India, um, the philosophy behind uh, the present day political party, and uh, they derive their philosophy from philosophy from RSS. Uh, I have some of the MD students here who have studied. Now I'll try to explain how this is an idol. So the third, I'm talking about power, okay. Now, I'm going to explain this in a macro uh, way. 
that's in a big way I'm going to explain. We all have little foxes in our heart, uh, which sometimes we have become so comfortable with that, we just struggle to drive away those little fox from our heart. Uh, so we are not able to see those things. Now, Bible is there for us to uh, come to that realization. Now, this power uh, is known as the will to power. The will to the third form of over desire is the will to power. Listen to me carefully. Then, when you, if you can agree on a macro uh, scale, you will be able to uh, find out on a micro scale. That means when I show you a big picture, then when you realize, oh, it's true, then you will be able to say, oh, probably I also have some small um, influence of this and we have to deal with this. Now, there is a man by name Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, I don't know how many of you have heard about him. He was an influential German philosopher. He is the man who wrote the book titled The Will to Power. Uh, he is the man who espoused or who advocated the concept of Superman in his book, The Will to Power. And basically it is a rejection of Christian values telling that one particular group of people are superhuman, others are not. Uh, and it is always said he, um, he had, normally people say that he had a great influence on Hitler. Now Hitler is well known to us. So they say this man was behind Hitler. But when you read history, you realize that uh, some may say that all his writings were in his possession of his sister. His sister's name was Elizabeth. And after he died, they say uh, she modified his writings. Uh, but whatever may be, whether he did it or his sister did it, uh, he is the one who espoused the cause of Superman. Now, let's look at his life history. Friedrich Nietzsche, he lived from 1844 to 1900, just 50, for 56 years he lived. He was the grandson of a Lutheran bishop. And his other grandfather was also a Lutheran pastor. In other words, all Protestant pastors. His father himself was a Lutheran pastor. Uh, Nietzsche's father loved Frederick so much he pampered him. He loved him so much. And he taught him Greek language right from the age of two. Unfortunately, his father died when Frederick was just four years old. And then he, he grew up with his uh, sisters and aunts and mother. And um, it is said that he read the Bible at all hours of day and night. That was his passion. He read his Bible. Uh, when he went to the school, people just, his, his friends just teased him. Hey, you're a pastor, you're a pastor like that. They teased him. But 
something happened in his life. When he went to college, he was supposed to become, he was supposed to be trained to become a pastor. He changed his subject from theology to philosophy. And um, it is in that journey, he coined a phrase, God is dead. Now, one of the important lessons that we learn is how to handle traumatic situations. He, he was, though he was reading the Bible, you know, he was fully immersed in the word of God. Because of certain traumatic experiences, he just gave up his faith. And he came with this phrase called as God is dead, which you can read in the current day, um, present day literature in many places. Now, what is this will, of, will to power? The will to power is nothing but the drive of the Superman. There is a category of people who are considered to be Superman. Now, They come from the, they're typical Aryans and you can equate, you can relate it in our country. So that race is considered to be Superman. They are superior to everyone else. They are here to rule over others. How do they do it? That is by power. By power, they want to rule. And um, they, they don't care what happens to others because others, it is almost like the fittest, the survival of the fittest. That is the philosophy. In other words, when people have this tendency that they are superior to others, what happens is they have a conscious or unconscious desire to exercise authority over others. Now, if you have been following what's happening, uh, you will be able to relate. This is the very same philosophy which was brought to our country. And that's what they're trying to propagate. And that is what they're trying to practice. So I'm, I hope you are able to relate it. Uh, if not, you have to do a little more reading about uh, the philosophy of uh, the present day regime and all that. Now, this is on a macro scale. Now, micro. Micro is our individual level. Uh, you find you know, people are pleased when they can exercise authority over their spouse. Parents sometimes exercise this power over their children. And people in position they exercise this power over their subordinates. And generally we find uh, how people, the you know, low income people are treated. There's so much of oppression. Why is this oppression? Because there's a powerful group of people who want to exploit them. You know, exploit the low income group, underprivileged people. Uh, if you come to the religious side, 
pastors, they try to exercise this power over church members. All in the name of God. All in the name of doing good. But in a subtle way they do. But one needs to be very, very sensitive what's happening in our heart. And you can see the spiritual leaders, how they exercise power over their followers. Uh, the way the rulers exercise their power over people. Sometimes there are teachers who exercise this evil power over children. And it all has long-term ramifications. Now, these are the ill effects of power. Now, we might, everyone has an area of power, all of us, whether one is a homemaker, one is a teacher, one is a retired person, all of us exercise some power. Now, if we are not careful, we almost, we also exhibit the power like this, the will to power, the will to rule over others. Wise people, they are aware about this and they take necessary actions. That's why we say the will to power has the ability to displace God from our lives. Now, nobody will say that when a spouse exercise power, you know, when somebody exercise power over their spouse or pastors over their church members or children, nobody will say God approves that. But our society approves that, but God doesn't approve that. So that's why we have to be careful. And it is the same with approval, with comfort, with power. I took the example of power because we can see what's happening around us. You open the newspaper, you can see that. You hear the news, you can see that. You can see what's happening in the past five to seven years, what's been happening, how the power is being misused. But what is the philosophy behind it? The philosophy behind is nothing but this man, Frederick Nietzsche. And basically what we have, those of us who have read, gone through the books, we will say that this philosophy only was imported by RSS and that's what they are trying to propagate in this land. That's the power and the evil effects of power. Now, what is the antidote? As I said, wisdom, you know, Jesus, personifies wisdom. So we have to, if we want wisdom, we have to look at Jesus because our Lord Jesus is our example. You know, the Bible says he is a man who speaks with authority. He had wisdom. That's why he was able to speak with authority. And Proverbs eleven sixteen says, a kind-hearted woman gains honor but ruthless men gain only wealth. That's what happens in the society. People just, you know, drive away poor people, grab their land, sell that land. You know, the amount of injustice, 
they are just ruthless. What do they do? They only want money. And with money, what do they want? Money gives them power. If we see the political power, if we see the way things are happening, all this is because power is the idol. There's no place for God. This is a world created by God. And that's not the way God desires this world to be. And, uh, but devil distorts this, uh, their hearts and this is how they behave. But as children of God, the devil also tempts us. So that is why we should realize if you are doing something, are we exercising power? Because we are in a privileged position, how are we exercising power? Uh, the kind-hearted woman is someone who is characterized by grace. And she acts for the benefits of others, not expecting a return. And because of that, she gains honor. Uh, that's what the Bible says. Uh, she gives up power to serve others. And Jesus said, even the son of man did not come to serve, but to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for my, many. When we are in position, uh, I'm not talking about abdicating our responsibility. I'm not talking about that. But we all realize how we use our power. We can manipulate. We can be cruel, uh, we can be dictatorial, uh, we can be merciless, but Bible doesn't approve that. Uh, we have to be careful. We, that's why the Bible keeps reminding us, though they are in this world, they are not of this world. So we have to learn to live in this world uh, something like in a non-attached way, when we get attached too much, then we, we tend to exhibit these symptoms. Uh, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Uh, you know, we need to live, we, this is something we consciously, we have to develop to live in this world in a very non-attached way. It is not to live like a monk or to go to your mountain and to meditate, it's not like that. Just living in this world in a very non-attached way uh, because we should do our best, not expecting, you know, this is what I should get in turn. Uh, that's very, very important. Uh, a single gracious woman gains glory and wealth. That's what Proverbs um, eleven sixteen says. A kind-hearted woman gains honor. A single gracious woman gains glory and wealth. In other words, a woman of wisdom. Wisdom, when we have wisdom, you know, it leads to glory and wealth. But many powerful men gain merely temporary wealth. And we know that we cannot take even one rupee when we die when we are after wealth. That is the reason why we should be very careful when we are talking about our ambitions, our careers. Uh, 
you know, it's it can be a it can be overdriven by a desire for wealth. Now, wealth, what we use wealth as a means of gaining power, acknowledgement, status. Uh, we have to be careful. Uh, see the when we have this overlove of power, uh, you can always see people will be opinionated. They they their opinions are they are supreme. You just cannot uh, disagree with them. You have to agree. Uh, they will be poor listeners. They have solutions to everybody. Uh, this is all the cause of overlove of power. They will be argumentative. Uh, they'll be highly partisan. They'll be unteachable. And they will be so scared that they have been in the wrong. If you want spiritual growth, it is a constant uh, process. Continually we are growing. See, our ultimate goal is, Jesus said in, this, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that's what we should desire. And it is a continuous process. Constantly we should be working on that. And we can work on that only when we are aware of all these things. Uh, so we, it is by serving, by giving up our rights. Uh, that is the way we can be perfect like our heavenly father. Uh, the woman gains honor by not seeking honor at all. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus achieved true strength by seeking not power, but service. If you are followers of Jesus, and if Jesus is the perfect example for us, uh, his life, we can learn so much from his life. And wisdom is with Jesus. There's no trick. There's no formula. It is when we have the life of Jesus in us, when the life of Jesus flows in us, he came from heaven to give us the divine life. And when the divine life flows in us, uh, we will have the true strength. You know, in Jesus said in Luke 22, 27, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. Obviously, the one who is at the table is the greater one. But Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. The Proverbs 24.5, the wise prevail through great power. Wisdom and humility, they go hand in hand. Those who have knowledge muster their strength. Basically, if you read these two verses, he teaches us that wisdom involves not being wise in our own eyes. Loving God more and more. That's how we gain wisdom. And we should be ready to disadvantage ourselves for others. If you want to serve others, we cannot serve others without disadvantaging ourselves.
And that is the greatest power and strength of all. Now, this is the challenge we face. Society says you should show yourself as a powerful person. You should assert, you should so show your authority, uh, but we have to be very careful what the Bible teaches us. Have you ever had the opportunity to give up significant power in order to serve another person? Uh, Jesus gave up everything so that he could uh, serve us. Remember, there is nothing more seductive than power. That's why they say power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, we are only looking at others as to how they exercise their power. Uh, but as I said, all of us, we exercise power in some way. In some area, we are exercising power. Every person in this world, they exercise their power. Even a child has some power when they play with other children, they try to exercise their power. So we have to be aware. What is that inner motive? We want to dominate or we want to trample on others or we are doing it so that we can be benefited. We need to ask ourselves, uh, there are many situations and relationships we enjoy mainly because of the power we exercise in them. There are many places uh, we enjoy, in fact, because we are considered as, that's why Jesus said, especially to the um, religious leaders, uh, be humble, be humble. Uh, that's very clear. Uh, instructions are there in, in the Gospel of Matthew. So we should be careful. Uh, all the ministry should be to serve. And that will be the challenge. And for all, all the children of God, uh, we should be able to serve. The only way we can overcome this is by looking at the life of Jesus, who being the son of God. He was there even before this world came into existence. But he gave up everything, gave up everything to come to this world. That is why it doesn't make sense to the modern mind. They say, how can your God come and die on a cross as a helpless man? They are not able to understand that. They, they think if God means God should be powerful. You should speak a word. Everyone should just, you know, lie flat. Uh, that's, that's what, that's a human thinking. But God himself came to this world to serve us. And that should be our model. And we should follow God. The last one we have is control. I think we will uh, see next uh, Friday, next Wednesday, uh, if you have any questions, because this um, approval, comfort, power, unknowingly some, somewhere along the line, they push God from that preeminent place. When we say, Jesus, come to my heart, 
you reign over my heart and my feelings, um, these things have the ability to displace God from our lives. We want our God to reign over our hearts, our desires, our thoughts. And uh, that's the struggle we face in our relationship with one another. Uh, am I using the other person for my comfort? Or am I using my position to dominate the other person? If you, if you see the society, uh, society always advocates um, authority, authoritarian lifestyle, uh, your leadership. You are a man. You should be like this. If you speak a word, they all should listen. No one should even open their mouth. But the Bible is talking something else. That's why we have that struggle and conflict. And the more and more we have the spirit of God, the spirit of God will help us. And it is only with the help of the spirit of God when we see what Jesus did for us on the cross. If Jesus has just ruled over the way we rule over other people, what would have happened to my plight? That's why gospel changes everything from the way we eat, from the way we dress, from the way we spend money, from the way we work. Gospel impacts everything. If we do not allow the gospel to impact every aspect of our life, we'll be leading a religious life and that will be a powerless life. Okay, I have finished. If you have any questions. Is it quite difficult to follow or? Makes sense, Pastor. Power makes sense because you have read a lot in the uh, your MDU course and you realize from where this philosophy has come and the Superman philosophy and the will to power and the will to power is what is being unleashed right now in this land. But they are doing on a large scale. We as individuals, we do it on a smaller scale and we tend to ignore thinking it's normal. And they also think it's normal. It's only those who are being affected, they feel this is not normal. This is abnormal. Uh, it is the victims who cry out. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing which happens here when we suppress. It is the victims, they cry within themselves. Any insights, any questions, anything you want to share? Okay, if it's very clear, I'm so glad. Uh, I've, I've tried to explain, but I know it's going to take some time uh, to understand this. Uh, but we all, I know that all of us, we love Jesus. And uh, we want Jesus more than anything else. Uh, we know one day we will live with him. Uh, we will see him face to face. And that's our desire. Uh, 
Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we thank you for this time you have blessed us with. Thank you for all that we have studied. Spirit of God, I pray you will continue to minister to us. Teach us, O Lord. Lord, make us more like you. Help us to be spirit-filled people, spirit-led people. Let us always do things that will bring glory to your name, honor to your name. Bless all of us with good health. Bless us with peace of mind. Bless us with your strength. Bless us with your wisdom. I bless each and every one, O Lord, who made it possible to come here today to study the word of God. Let the word of God produce 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.